2: Good morning, everyone, here on the 20th of July. I'm so happy to be with you this morning. This is Peter Kapsner filling in for Karma LaBerge in studio with Paul Perot as well. Carmen is away this week, and I was thinking about that, Paul, that she really is a better person than you and I combined at this point. There's no, I mean, <laughs> when she was taking off for two weeks about a month and a half ago there, and, and we were together in the show with all you as listeners, too, she was at a fitness camp that entire time. Mm-hmm. And of course, this time now, she is hiking, backpacking off the grid in the mountain. Somewhere. I mean, if I have a couple of days off, it is golf, it's chocolate, it's Netflix. It's it's really like nothing that's going to contribute positively to my life or to society in general. She she is a better person than you and I are combined.
1: Well, at least I went and did some traveling up in the UP. You did. So, you were gone for a couple weeks as well. I was well, gone so. for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And so and my wife and I spent a good chunk of time. Now, we spent a lot of time in the car traveling from place to place, but
2: we saw some beautiful stuff in the Upper Peninsula. So it yeah. really is a great. I mean, summer is such a fabulous Ooh, time all around yes. the United States to travel to see things. To be and able to
1: travel I year. know.
2: It is really different uh, feel. We're actually going to be talking quite a bit about COVID today because there's a lot of updates about yeah. that. And, and I was at a wedding this weekend, too, in which it was just fun to see people being able to gather together again like that. Of course, today also, you may not know, is National Moon Day. This is the anniversary of Neil Armstrong, I believe, right, Paul Perot, when he, put, when he set foot on the moon in and 1969 said, and
1: yeah. said... Uh, one small step for man...
2: I mean, incredible moment in history, and yep. of course, and we're going to talk a little bit about Jeff Bezos, the former uh, owner and 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 leader of Amazon. Obviously, he's been part of this private enterprise space race and in a few moments when Nick joins the program we'll talk a little bit about what's going on because Bezos is launching into space today but i was i was reading an article mm-hmm. in which somebody was was reflecting on the idea of going to the moon to going to outer space and i couldn't believe what this person said they literally said in the article that i wouldn't want to go to the moon there's nothing to do on the moon. And I thought, are you kidding me? Other than seeing God's breathtakingly beautiful universe from another angle, being able to jump 60 feet in the air. There are so many things. I mean, I get it. It would probably be boring. It's a little okay. arid on the moon. Yeah, There's not yeah. a lot to do maybe after a month or two, perhaps. But I, would you like to travel to space? I, I'm pretty intrigued I, by the idea of seeing God's beautiful universe from a different angle like I that. I would
1: love to travel in that way.
2: Yeah. Give indeed. me my
1: TARDIS. I want the TARDIS. You do have
2: the Doctor Who <laughs> TARDIS. It would be a, a great way to go. We're going to talk with Nick Pitts about that and, and all again the private enterprise moon travel as he's a regular contributor to the program joins us on Tuesday mornings like this. We've also got some things to cover with the Olympics coming up here this Friday as well as we'll start with Nick with uh, some of the back and forth that's going on in the political realm where it seems like both sides are complaining quite a bit about what they perceive to be misinformation going back and forth on Facebook. So glad to be with you again here today. I'm once again Peter Capster filling in for Carmen today tomorrow Thursday. She'll be at, back on Friday and it's a lovely way to start the day with all of you. It is about nine minutes past the top of the hour and Nick Pitts, fellow for the Institute of Global Engagement, who joins us regularly here on Mornings with Carmen to talk through some of the domestic newsmaking headlines of the morning. Glad to have him here. Good morning, Nick. Hey, Peter, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. It's great to hear your voice again. And I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the political realm in terms of the Facebook and disinformation and some of the hand-wringing that's going back and forth. But you probably heard a bit of the opener, and it is National Moon Day, and we're seeing that Jeff Bezos is heading off into space as well. Uh, Nick, would it be boring to you to go to the moon? I was just stunned at this statement that I read about the idea. Of, are we watching TikTok videos instead? Like, what is more exciting than going to the moon, Nick?
0: Well... I mean, let's just be honest. There's some pretty good TikTok videos <laughs> <laughs> so that might captivate me. But no, you you did bring up a great point. There's um, a a Ross thought who's a New York times author. He has a book uh, out called the decadent society. And one of his contentions is we settled for smartphones instead of flying cars, Hmm. preferring to watch the Jetsons instead of emulating them. He's got this great little quote that he says that um, we used to uh, travel faster, build bigger, live longer. Now we communicate faster, chat uh we chat more and snap more selfies we used to go to the moon now we make movies about space mm. since we've settled for um, re-watching old episodes of the Jetsons on uh, greater technology than actually um kind of trying to emulate what the Jetsons and that inf- or that famous uh flying car we we've, we've been settling and so we're living in a decadent time is what he says but Um, Hopefully, Branson and Bezos and company can reawaken our imagination to broach a new frontier um, in a new way with a, a, a significant amount of people.
2: Yeah, let's stay on this actually for a minute, Nick, because I think there's a couple different angles we can look at this that that are important to think about. And you were using the word decadence, meaning I think we just we have so much, right? It's almost for people that are familiar with the story of the Hunger Games. Uh, part of what's at the center of that story is this decadent capital that is so filled with waste and so filled with with just um, resources that they're literally just eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and then they'll they'll vomit and eat and eat and eat because they just have so much so how are you tying in or how is this author tying in the idea of so much decadence with our unwillingness to maybe explore space to do some of the things because when i was growing up watching back to the future that end scene where they take the delorean and and now they can go where there are no roads right i was so intrigued by that idea so are, are we are we sort of just in in the society of drivel and decadence where these things don't intrigue us anymore
0: yeah uh, so how um Douthat defines decadence. He says that it's a stale system that we're just spinning in place, reproducing the same arguments, having the same frustrations over and over again. Um, and so what he argues is it's not necessarily the worst thing, but it's not necessarily the best thing. Um, so that there used to be a day um, that we were driven by uh, it's that idea that uh, Frederick Jackson Turner in 1893 coined the the frontier thesis, right, believed in the strength and vitality of the American identity laid in its desire to conquer its uh, new frontiers. And so we, uh, uh, the re- rebellious nature of America left England to come over to this new land. And then we continued to move westward as we moved further across the Mississippi, as we uh, made our way to California, and, that, and then we started going up and um, with JFK challenging the country to go to the moon, we went to the moon, but then uh, Doth argues that ever since we we just had that initial person that has gone to the moon, that initial venture into space travel, we've really be, we begun to see a decadence um, that we that used to be. Again, to go back to the visualization because I think it's just so powerful. There used to be the desire to emulate the Jetsons, and now what do we do? We just rewatch the Jetsons mm. on Netflix. Uh, Etc. Um, but hopefully, what I, what I, what we're beginning to see is uh, with Branson and again with Bezos and and all the others is there seems to be that vitality, that American adventurousness and re- rebelliousness breaking through. That hopefully we don't just settle for TikTok videos, but really do try to do things and broach new frontiers. That we've never been before.
2: Well, and, and I'm watching these men that have these three different private enterprise companies. I, I don't know that any of them are believers for sure. They certainly, if they are believers, they're not public prof, publicly professing their faith. But I think there is something, Nick, about what you just said in terms of the life of the believer, uh, heading into the unknown, uh, a sense of adventure, not adventure for adventure's sake or it's for us, but it's this idea that we're going. Uh, into something with which we are unfamiliar. And I, and I think it breaks open parts of our hearts and parts of our spirits related to even then the wonder and the majesty of God. I think we, we may have an opportunity if we're seeing the cosmos from different angles. Uh, I just I know when I see these specials of what the Hubble space uh, scope is able to see in terms of you know millions of years ago in the universe, it it's sort of is stunning that this infinite God could could be with us in the way God is, given what we see as we travel into space.
0: Yeah, like so the stars draw us to the heavens, but they also reveal to us the God of the heavens, right? Um Branson, mm-hmm. Albisos are going on an adventure to space, refusing to be stuck in the decadent moment. Um however, the greatest adventure isn't what we know as Christians isn't uh, doesn't require a seat on a ship, but a decision of faith. My uh, I love this a uh, guest of mine. He says to fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him is the greatest adventure, to find him the greatest human achievement. And the idea that the stars are testifying about the the sovereignty of God, and the creativity of God, the character of God, and also his character being one that he is in hot pursuit and relationship with us. Hmm.
2: Well, all I know, Nick, is that Paul Perot wants to travel to outer space in a TARDIS. I would choose the X-Wing fighter, although I don't think that there's a, a long lifespan for those who, who pilot the X-Wing fighters. For you, how would you want to get to outer space? <laughs>
0: Well, I'm going to use my broom uh, with Harry Potter, and uh, I'm going to go up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? It's going to be an epic game of Quidditch. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: that's going to send
2: me up there looking for the Golden Snitch. I love that. That's great. We're talking with Nick Bitts this morning, his fellow for the Institute of Global Engagement, about some of the headlines. And there are a lot of news-making headlines. We'll step away for a moment. When we come back, let's change the conversation a bit to some of the disinformation campaigns that are going around on Facebook. Again, a lot of hand-wringing about that, but this is something that's been going on between journalists and and the way we receive information as society, all the way back to Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Nick, you referenced the Jetsons. You know exactly what's going to happen because you're part of this morning show. <laughs> Paul is going to find the Jetsons theme sign. There is. I can't even remember all the characters. I just remember there was four of them, right? It was it was George and Jane and it was, Meet George Jetson. Yep. His Jane. boy Elroy. Yep. Daughter Judy. Yep. Jane as oh, well. Thank you. So I can remember oh, some of oh, the Jetsons. So that that's that, that that's your era too, huh, Nick? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Captivated and can hear George uh sprinting around from place to place, hear the 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 flying car sputter around. And also I can hear in the back of my, uh, in my ear, I can hear my mom yelling, move away from the TV if you're getting too close.
2: I think yeah. your mom and my mom must have been friends, Nick, because yeah. a yeah. bowl of Cheetos and three feet away from that screen was about right for the for the Jetsons every afternoon. I love it. Hey, there's exactly. a lot to cover with uh, some of what's going on out there in the news media and the journalists and, uh, and quite a bit of, of worry among at least the current administration that Facebook is not necessarily helping what the agenda is to bring um, the vaccine and bring COVID information to the public in general. They're uh, frustrated by persistent conspiracy theories about the pandemic as a whole. What are we seeing here, Nick?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's something that both sides of the aisle can get behind. Both sides are frustrated with big tech, um, with Facebook, Twitter, uh, Amazon, uh, you name it. Uh, they're they're frustrated with them. One side, obviously, the Biden administration uh, said that the Surgeon General said it's spreading like wildfire, which is misinformation on Facebook. The other side would say that it's censoring information. Um, um, but uh, you, you know, at the end of the day, that. This isn't anything new that we've encountered. This is, um, unfortunately, this is just a, a byproduct of a of a society that values free speech, and this has been happening ever since uh, the founding. You've got national newspapers that have partisan, hard interests and in taking and not letting the truth get in the way of a point they're trying to make to advance their agenda.
2: Yeah, it sure seems like uh, political leaders really want to have the press be a bit of an extension of their own agenda, as you've referenced. It's a a pretty interesting quote that all the way back to 1787 in the Constitutional Convention, it says that people are daily misled – into the most baneful measures and opinions by false reports circulated by designing men on which no one on the spot can refute. And Benjamin Franklin followed up by saying that your private character can be torn into flitters by anybody that has a printing press. There really is quite a bit of power. I don't know why we sort of over these these generations have, have tended to trust the press to be representative of that, which is true. Clearly there's a, there's a lot of people these days who don't trust the press anymore, but it still has a capacity even when you don't trust it when you take in the news each day It still impacts how you view the world and the administration both Republican and Democrat really want to try to control that press
0: Yeah, you know, it really is interesting Like, So so for example, one of the things I'm most drawn to is that yeah, we've identified one of the problems in that there's a spread of Misinformation that's happening and I do think that there's a marginal extent um where um, you have individuals that are being really are being kind of calcified in their positions by these things. But I'm also keenly aware that there's just an inherent distrust that's coming right now here in the American populace. Um, one of my favorite stats to look back on is the idea that um, more than 50% of Americans um, uh, uh, 40 years ago said that they could trust their neighbor. Now that number's down to 33%. Um, among millennials, it's 19%. Mm. You've got most, uh, most Americans say they have uh, their sub 50% tr- levels of trust in the various institutions, with the military still being above 50%. And surprisingly, the place where you work as well being above 50%. And so, one of the things that I'd be captivated and interested in doing is. We're, we're expecting, uh, I think both sides of the aisle are expecting big tech to have some type of positive influence when it just seems as though Americans are just losing trust in various institutions. And so instead of trying to uh, build up the support um, and to work toward a particular platform so that they might be able to spread your information, why not try to identify those areas and in those individuals um, where who individuals do place their trust in? And then in turn, work toward trying to do certain things to be able to increase. So if the Biden administration is trying to make sure that everybody gets the vaccine, what happened last night that's going to be spreading like wildfire across Big Tech is that Sean Hannity is now, has, has gone, went on a rant last night on his program to say that he supports the vaccine, that he believes in the science, and that he believes that individuals should get vaccinated. And so trying to identify those avenues where people already have trust instead of pointing out the institutions where they already lack trust.
2: Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you about, because those are some very troubling statistics that you reference in terms of the amount of trust that we have, just even in general, for one another, Nick. And so I think about it can feel overwhelming to hear a bit about that. If I'm just sitting back and and I'm listening this morning, grabbing my cup of coffee, or if I'm driving into work right now, uh, what are some ways in which believers sort of day in and day out can help chip away at this distrust? Are there things that we can just be practicing with one another to say, hey, look, we get it. There are a lot of institutions that are all about their power, seeking to control, trying to influence, trying to persuade, doing all of that. I'm not that person. How do I begin to sort of manifest that just with my neighbors, friends, family? What does that look like,
0: uh, Peter? I'm I'm increasingly worried about this, and I would I would say that it's got a, it's an incarnational leadership. Mm. So it, it's this idea that you, you might not be able to change the media landscape, but I, I would I would just contend, and I would just really urge strongly not to continue to proliferate and to spread this idea of fake news, because at the end of the day, we have the most outlandish news to spread, and sowing seeds of doubt makes it increasingly harder to share the gospel of Jesus. It's really hard. It's really hard to share the good news in a fake news era. And and continuing to be that source of trust, as well as be an individual that thinks locally that really is trying to manifest the faithful presence of Jesus in your community and pays attention to the national headlines, but really is trying to smell like their community. But even more than that, begin to be the fragrant aroma of Christ in that community and really seek to do the good work of Jesus and and not get bought into these endless squabbles, it seems. Now, granted, I, I take that measuredly, to be aware of what's happening in the world, but to be captivated and in awe of the creator of the world and try to make a difference there, I think is about most importance in this era of fake news.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a couple of minutes left here, Nick. I think in those conversations that you're describing as we try to be people of integrity and people of vulnerability, transparency, all of these things in this fake news era, we can over time begin to rebuild that trust. But I think we'd have to be mindful and cautious that that it's very easy to lose trust and it can take a long time to regain it. But to stay persistent and patient in that process of doing that, I think people start noticing that over time because it it does take a while. But people do want to actually trust other people.
0: Yeah. One of the key ways to be able to build trust is to provide more opportunities in which trust can be exercised, according to research. And so, yeah, they might not be. A, they might not trust you on your position on a the vaccine. They might not trust you to uh, take care of their kids, for example, your neighbor. But what you can do is then you can begin to find opportunities to be able to allow your neighbor to exercise trust in you. So whether it's taking your taking their trash back out to the corner when you take your trash out on Friday mornings, whether it's showing up with some gift at their door, whether it's um, listening to them in a time of need, finding those opportunities to allow them to exercise trust in turn builds trust. And surprisingly, in a non-shocking twist, yeah. lamenting and, and, and pointing out the sources of distrust um, in our culture is not a way—sympathizing, a misery-loving company is not a way— to be able to build trust in this era.
2: Yeah, well, it's great stuff, as always, Nick. We, we so appreciate it. I know you're going to be watching with bated breath Jeff Bezos taking off here later today. I know you're independently wealthy, so you tried to learn from them because you're going to be creating a, a space project yourself, right?
0: Let's just hope TikTok is, doesn't get on one of those roles and I just start seeing all those great videos, especially the ones of the dogs that uh, begin to act like humans. That gets me every time. <laughs> every
2: time, so, Nick.
0: <laughs> and when the dog like hugs the child after the child hugs the dog, oh, I got to watch that. Like, yeah, you're,
2: you're wiping tears away at that dog. point, I know. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great exactly. stuff. Well, thanks again for all the insight, Nick. We really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the morning. Uh, you as well. We'll take a short break here, uh, cover a little bit of bottom of the hour news and continue the news conversation. We'll change the topic to some of the international headlines as we're joined by Luke Moon of Providence Magazine coming up next. (laughs) Well, there is a lot of news to cover today back and forth between our, our first and second guest here. But there's also some fun news. My desk is full of different things that Paul has put on the desk here and Paul I have a lot of things that are on my bucket list that I want to see happen before I die I was just talking with my kids last night I've never actually been to Mount Rushmore we live oh really? about, yeah we live oh, about really eight hours by, away by yeah. matter yeah so we thought you know let's at least maybe try to take a quick road trip and check that off the list another thing that I've really wanted to do ever since I was five years old and I would pick up the latest edition of the Guinness Book of World Records I wanted to find my name on that list somehow there's always the guy that had like the five foot fingernails that he hadn't cut him for years and had grown veins through the nails right or the a guy that was 7 feet, 11 inches tall. There was just so many things that so intrigued me. That's not you. happening for me. <laughs> well, so, so this one here, I don't think that you and I, I don't know if any of our listeners could help with this too, but apparently a pair of Idaho men are breaking a Guinness World Record for passing a giant inflatable ball. I didn't even know you could have a world record for this. But David Rush and his friend Seth Lemons worked together to pass the giant ball 356 times between them in three minutes. That's over. It's almost 120 times a minute. That means that twice a second they're passing the ball back and forth. With with yours and my dexterity, I have a feeling that we would get to about six. And then we would drop, we would drop oh, the ball. drop come on. 12. So this just, I mean, come on. If you're listening this morning and you have any ideas at all about how to get in the Guinness Book of World Records, because these things, it must be a gigantic volume at this point with how many world records uh, there yeah, are. But, you know, if if, if there's if a world so record. so weird. Right. If there's a world record you would love to break, if you have a suggestion about how I can fill this bucket list to get into the Guinness Book of World Records, I'd sure love to hear from you at 877-933-2484. Text in. It's so fun to get your thoughts and your comments on that. Up next, we've got Luke Moon of Providence Magazine. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the international headlines, including the ongoing protests in Cuba and some of the disturbing political, geopolitical events out of Haiti.
1: The mark of a good parent is not necessarily a good kid who never gets into trouble, makes a bad decision, or fails a class. Hi, I'm Mark Grayston with Parenting Today's Teens. The mark of good parenting is not only determined by the way a child acts at home during their teen years, but also how a child engages and responds during their adult years. You see, this is a marathon, not a 50-yard dash. Your teen may make some embarrassing mistakes, but when you move toward them in love, you'll sow the seeds for a healthy relationship that endures for years. Hey, wouldn't you want a well-balanced adult child who messed up in their teens? rather than a perfect kid who fell apart in their 30s. Remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Do you have teenagers under your roof? Find more encouragement and helpful resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crown.
2: I love that song. That means that Luke Moon is joining us here this morning and Mornings Without Carmen from Providence Magazine to talk about some of the global headlines. And Luke, if you already didn't have enough credibility in my eyes, and you had a lot of credibility in my eyes, the fact that off the air just now, you're telling me that you spent the last few days installing a water softener. That That is aggressive handyman kinds of stuff here, Luke. We're not talking about a light bulb or hanging a light. You installed a water softener.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, it took me a while, but actually, I, I didn't do it over the weekend. I did it yesterday in one day. Started, yeah. I started to. Well, you know, you gotta shoot off the water, so it's. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where the wife and the daughter have to uh, have to be on board with it. And, uh, you know, you also have to finish it because I'm going out of town a couple of days. And, and uh, so I finished it at two. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not my normal like chipper self. You know, I normally bring bring such uplifting news from around the world. But uh, today it's going to be just a, just a, a really, really biting, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> I, well, yeah, there is nothing like a home improvement project to test our spirituality, Luke. There's no question about that. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Well, there's lots to cover here this morning. I know I've been following a little bit from afar, but I know how important it's been, too, as well. The events about 90 miles south of Florida and Cuba. We have ongoing protests. We have a lot of back and forth about what's happening there and what should happen. Give us some latest updates about what is going on in Cuba and maybe even some insights in terms of what you see in in maybe the days and weeks ahead.
3: Well, the good thing is that the Biden administration finally came out in support of freedom. Uh, you know, they had uh, the first few days been a little coy on on whether or not they were going to, uh, you know, show any support, uh, you know, concern from the, you know, the, probably the progressive left that sends, tends to be in favor of, of socialism and have high view of, of communism, I think was causing a little bit of challenges within the administration. But they finally came out and Biden himself was like, you know communism's failed everywhere and and actually even said you know socialism's not a good not a good runner up so he was he was pretty pretty good on that i mean the people of of Cuba you know right now the word's not easily out what's going on, and there's been some counter protests um by the regime and stuff like that, but one of the arguments that a lot of people make ab- about cuba about the u.s lifting our decades long embargo with cuba is that you know if, if if we just trade with them they'll they'll become more free uh the problem is that it just isn't the case it hasn't worked because canada trades with cuba mm. and the only thing the only people who uh, have benefited uh from that have been the the uh you know the Air quotes, communist leaders who have enriched themselves uh, off of uh, the money that the tourists and the trade with with uh, Canada brings, and so hopefully this will be, uh, you know, it will continue to go uh, in the favor of the freedom protesters. Uh, But you know, I'm also, uh, you know, we're, we're fresh off what we saw in Hong Kong, where you know there was weeks of protests. But in the end, uh, the communist Chinese won that one.
2: Yeah, it's such an interesting thing to watch as believers, I think, too, Luke, when you see sort of this microcosm of a certain political philosophy. So you have the small island and you have um, a, a socialistic, communistic kind of re- regime. And and I think you and I would both safely say, and our listeners as well, that we can't solve earthly problems through government intervention and organization. But on the flip side, when we look at giving human beings full freedom, which I think makes sense on so many different levels. But if we also hold the view that people are sinful, that people are disasters, absent of the kingdom, that we need to be broken from the power of sin and death, we really, I mean, if we have freedom, we want that. But freedom to do what exactly if we're still not part of the kingdom? But at the same time, we don't want government intervention. I think as believers, we can almost take a third-way approach and look at this situation on some level
3: yeah no I think that i mean the the challenge that co- communism has always tried to be you know basically the 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 I don't know, the anti christian doctrine right everybody's free everybody's equal and we're all just gonna end up uh you know having the same wages and because we're we're altruistic right and the reason that it has failed every time it has been tried is is because it denies uh, it denies human nature, which is which is you know we are sinful, depraved people, right? And so, you know, systems uh, like democracy uh, offer you know a, a somewhat of an antidote uh, to to communism, but it's not perfect either. I mean, obviously there's there's no perfect government on earth, but one of the things we 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 should strive for is the freedom of of conscience for uh, the people of of cuba to you know choose to 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 worship jesus and right now mm. you know that that can be a challenge um you know there is a decent sized uh underground church there's a church you know a church that regularly uh you know raises above the you know the the locks of of the communist regime there um but really it's it's uh, i think we gotta stand for for freedom, we got to stand for freedom of of religion and freedom of conscience, uh, because in in those places, we have the greatest opportunity uh, to to i give people hope and future.
2: Yeah, I think that's well said. Clearly, the ideas of Christianity or or what our faith is, um, if it's in the the battlefield of different ideologies, it's going to win the day over things like communism, socialism, even just you know pure free market capitalism. There's there's a much better opportunity to win that day. So agreed on the freedom of the people of Cuba. When we look at uh, some of the other headlines, I was very troubled to see what was going on with the unrest in Haiti. I have uh, a couple of friends that have adopted children from Haiti. I've spent a lot of time down there. My own son has spent time in Haiti as well. It's just such a difficult situation. And what, is there any hope in the midst of what we saw related to the assassination of the, of the leader of Haiti? And, and where do we see this moving forward?
3: Yeah, Haiti is is one of those countries that just, you know, never quite, you know, Gets it right. Never, never quite can can just get over that hump. Uh, the 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 pr- president was uh, assassinated on the on the seventh of of July, and uh, you know it's, it's it's pretty clear at this point that he was assassinated by uh, um, mercenaries uh, from from Colombia uh but he was not a really great guy i mean he was not he was not necessarily well liked he had a lot of enemies he had sacked the parliament he had forced three supreme court members to uh retire early uh all the while uh you know a third of the capital port of prince was what is is currently controlled by violent gangs right and so you know here's this uh you know there's all that going on, and and then the president was assassinated, and it throws into turmoil who's going to be in charge. The the, the guy who was currently the prime minister uh, ended up being the interim prime minister, but just days before he was assassinated, uh, the the president had appointed uh, a, a guy Ariel Henri uh, to to be the part, the the new prime minister. Uh, and so news was yesterday that that. Um, the the current interim was going to step down, uh, which is which is good news. But uh, it's it's hard to see good news coming out of Haiti. It's just one of those like it's it's on that list of mm-hmm. some of the one of the poorest countries on earth. And you know it's like uh, you know it's it's also well traveled by by you know uh, short term missionaries <laughs> I go there a lot. A lot of like you said, a lot of kids uh, have been have been adopted. Uh, from there into, into loving homes, but it just—it's—it's it's one of those countries we we really need to uh, continue to lift up in prayer and and uh, that it will that it will break free from uh, its its again decade long uh, just terrible state that it's found itself
2: in it's really unfortunate it is really unfortunate i think is the right word we had talked with our first guest this morning nick pitts about the idea of the decadence of the united states leading us to some degree of boredom even with the idea of space travel when only a hundred miles away just the impoverishment and the difficult situation of human life i think as believers this is one of those places that if we can't travel to haiti if we can't give to haiti we can certainly be praying but what what a great opportunity To intersect and and to ask for some light to shine there. Well, let's step away for just a second, Luke, and when we come back, uh, you have tipped me off to some really interesting things going on in Iran. I didn't realize that for the people that are living in Iran and are observers of Iran, that Islam is maybe some of the fastest shrinking religion there, and Christianity is on the rise. So I want to get your perspective on that here next this morning on Mornings Without Carmen. Welcome back to the show. We are chatting with Luke Moon about some of the global headlines, and Luke is only five hours or so removed from setting down the monkey wrenches and giving us insight into these headlines from a Christian standpoint. Luke, you holding up okay? I know it was just those five hours ago that you hit the recharge
3: button on the water softener that you installed. It's uh, it's it's a little slow. A little, like I said, I'm a little I'm a little foggy this morning, <laughs> but. Uh... Hopefully, hopefully I'll be like, have really bright, fresh water. I mean, that's what I'm told happens when yeah. you put a water softer in there.
2: Well, you'll definitely have to text us some photos here into the studio to see how it's all going after our time. A lot more to cover here, too. I'm so intrigued about what's going on in Iran in terms of the explosion of Christianity over these last few years. I've been hearing a little bit more and more in terms of reports of people maybe even encountering the risen Lord or having angelic encounters or people that, that get converted to the faith. But that seemed like it was maybe more more of a one-off, and you just sort of prayed and hoped that more uh, expansive kinds of things would happen in Iran, and, and sure enough, it sure s- appears to be that Christianity is really on the move, and Islam is shrinking in in the heart of where Islam originated.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those stories that, you know, I've, I've been hearing tangential uh Arguments for for a while that, you know, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. And uh, there was a recent article, and I'm, I'm going to credit uh, Newsweek, I don't often, uh, you know, give credit to Newsweek, but they ran <laughs> a story uh, highlighting the, the rise of Christianity in Iran. And it, there's, there's estimates of somewhere between half a million and a million uh, Iranian Christians. Uh, and you know it's causing you know mosques to be empty and and you know really it's actually changing well like it should society and uh, i remember a few years ago watching a like you know on on al jazeera and there was a couple of uh you know imams who were who are lamenting uh how christianity was was uh spreading across the muslim world and and they were they were saying then it was like, "Oh, I can't believe like four hundred thousand uh, people are becoming christians every year and and to them it was it was terrible news and I'm like oh my gosh this is this is so great it's <laughs> right um, and and so this has really taken off I think one of the things that you know I think that we should a place where we should have hope for the future uh is in these places where right now the politics seems so dark and whether it's iran whether it's china whether you know maybe even like haiti but in places like that and where the church is is, is growing and strong uh, it it ultimately will make a, a long-term impact i mean it i mean it's not it's not impossible to imagine a future where where uh you know europe is being evangelized by Iranian missionaries. Mm. Right. Yeah. because you know, There has been a such a dramatic shift. And, you know, one of the things that I, I've known for a while, I mean, I, I did some, some, you know, doing demographics with on population and stuff like that back when I got my master's. And one of the things I had noticed back then was, was the fact that the fertility rate of Iran was, was really low. And I was like, well, that's weird. You know, if, if, because basically religious people have babies and non-religious people don't and and the fact that iran was had a really low fertility rate meant that for all the you know the the bluster about how strong you know iran's you know islam is you know it was it's it's a uh, you know a hollywood uh movie set you know it's like those you know old time uh westerns where it's just the you know the the alley down the middle the guys stand on each side sitting at each other and you walk through the saloon and nothing there you know right yeah and that's that's the uh that's the islam of of uh, iran hopefully and uh one where the the church is ascendant and uh will will break free from from being underground and 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 change uh the political order of the world which it's it's, it's bound to happen.
2: It is really intriguing to watch, Luke. I saw that there's a description of some of this growth, the way it is, is presenting or manifesting itself. It says that there's these tiny house churches of four to five members each consisting of self-starting disciples. And so this really is... A grassroots movement. This is not somebody who has an idea about starting a church and then tries to raise money to get that started and get it off the ground in a certain kind of ministry. These are people that are just organically beginning to gather and and there really is. If, if you're a student of church history, this is so much about how the church was in those earliest times of people just gathering together and beginning to follow Jesus in those ways.
3: Exactly, and I the other the other interesting thing, and this is perhaps ironic, and you know certainly a stick in the eye to Ayatollah Khomeini. Is that there? These these Christians. Uh, the article says that they are fervently pro-Israel. Uh, that you know they're just very they're they're you know see Jesus is is the Jewish Messiah and and uh, you know Israel is is home of the Jewish people and so they're like we're all in. It's pretty interesting. It is interesting.
2: One more point on that, and then we'll probably have to, to let you run. But the, I just want to circle back to something you said about it's it's not hard to imagine perhaps a, a secularized or a dead-to-the-faith Europe. And dare I say, even in currently in America, it seems there there is a death of a certain form of Christianity happening, that evangelism might be coming from that part of the world. How ironic might that be?
3: Right. I mean, actually, even now, the biggest churches in Europe are typically not— run by Europeans. Mm -hmm. You know, there's uh, some Nigerians who have powerful ministries. There's uh, people from, from Latin America who have, who have powerful ministries there. And, and uh, those, those, those churches are, are growing in it. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to, I'm going to believe it and claim it now that uh, one day that the Iranians will be, be the ones sending missionaries uh, to back to Europe and Europe will, will once again um, be uh, welcoming uh, the the person of Jesus Christ back into their lives.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's great stuff as always, Luke. We appreciate the insights and the observations as well. I know you're anxious to test out with that whole house water softening system and uh, jump into the shower and see see if you really have soft hair and 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 you know be able to to, to change the dynamics of the water
3: structure in your house. Exactly. <laughs> well, my fear is that I walk out like you know you've been in the ocean all day and you walk out <laughs> that, like crusty skin that's a little little dusty. That will be that will be where I'm like oh. failed it's terrible
2: (laughs) (laughs) i love it well thanks again luke we really appreciate insights and uh, catch you soon here on mornings without carmen my pleasure thanks we'll wrap up the first hour of the show here in just a minute our preview is coming up in hour two as we talk a little bit about covid here in the second hour of mornings with carmen Boy, still sitting in that uh, thought that Luke left us with that perhaps some of the largest churches in Europe are not being led by Europeans. They're being led by people from Nigeria and other parts of the world. We've known for a while that there's a pretty significant demographic shift happening in global Christianity, where Christianity is really on the rise and vibrant, and we're seeing that play out. Well, we'll step away here for a minute for some top of the hour news. When we come back, Dr. Brett Nix of the Christian Medical and Dental Association will join us and talk about some of the different headlines related to COVID.